We heard last week here in John 16, and you can go to the Gospel of John with me in chapter 16. We heard here in John 16 of the warning that Jesus gave his disciples that they would be persecuted. And some of them even put to death for following Christ and preaching the gospel. And he had told them these things so that when it all happened, they would not be shocked. They would not be dismayed. Why are these things happening to us? No one ever told us this was going to be the case when we followed Christ. No, they were warned, and they were warned so that they would not lose heart. In fact, just the opposite would happen. They would not lose heart. Instead, they would remember that Jesus had warned them that they would be persecuted even have their lives taken, and they would believe all the more in Jesus Christ because of the prophetic word fulfilled. And they would be encouraged, and they would be strengthened, and they would live and serve for the sake of the gospel of Christ. In fact, some would give their very lives for their Savior, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not only did Jesus tell them they'd remember these things, he also gave them another word of encouragement. We noted it last time. He knew they were greatly saddened. He knew that they were very concerned about his departure. He was warning them that he would be leaving them soon, and they were thinking about this, and they were very concerned for themselves that he was going away. So concerned, according to verse 5, they weren't even asking where he was going. They're just thinking about themselves without Christ. But then Jesus gives them these encouraging words. And these are no empty words. These words that we saw at the close of our passage last week in verse 7, this was a prophetic truth when he told them in verse 7 that they would receive the Helper. When he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Far better off the disciples would be having the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Helper, to strengthen, to encourage, to embolden them, and even give words to them to testify of Christ as they were persecuted and even killed, how much better and how far better off they would be having the Helper dwelling in them to help them than actually having the physical presence of Jesus Christ. And if we don't think the Helper coming to the disciples made a huge difference in their lives and ministry, then you didn't. You didn't pay attention when you read the Gospels. When you, when you look at Acts and when you get to, you read through the Gospels and then you get to the book of Acts and you see the young church and the growing church and then you see the courageous boldness, faithfulness in the lives of the, of the apostles. You, you see that after Pentecost, there's a difference, right? Now there's a great difference. If you don't think the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is incredibly powerful in the life of a believer, then then you need to look at the life of the disciples before Christ was crucified and after Pentecost. When Christ was taken from them, what did they do? They ran for fear. They scattered and they were weak and they were afraid. Before the Helper came to them, they ran for fear, right? 
after the Holy Spirit came to them, they ministered in the face of great trial and tribulation and yet stood fast for the cause of Christ, many giving their very lives with boldness and courage for the cause of Christ. So obviously the Holy Spirit was at work in them then. But before Christ was taken from them, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, had not been given to them to enable them to understand and even operate in the way that that Christ knew that they needed to and would. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, would do even more than embolden and equip them as they served Him. They would be encouraged and equipped for faithful service to Christ, but also there would be more that the Holy Spirit did and does. And now we come to verses 8 through 15 this morning, and Jesus says this. Follow along as I read verses 8 through 15 in John 16. And when he comes, the helper, remember? And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine, therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. So now we hear something something different, something new. Now we hear that the Holy Spirit will do even more than empower and prepare the disciples, yes? We've been hearing that the Helper would come and would enable them and would encourage them and would strengthen them. Now there's another perspective of the work of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit will be more than simply a private ministry to the disciples or to followers of Christ, in followers of Christ, note what the Holy Spirit will do according to verse 8. Did you see it there in verse 8 when it says, the Helper will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment? Now when we think of being convicted in the New Testament, uh, in New Testament terms and the way the New Testament uses this idea of conviction, it means being shown one's sin and being called to repentance, being shown one's sin, being shown to be sinful, and being called to be repentant for that sin. And if you're a believer, you you ought to know this, and, and you likely do understand this. If you're a believer, you know how God still convicts you of sin in your life today, right? You know when you sin, if you're a follower of Christ, that, that God is at work in you because you, you are guilty. You are convicted. When you sin, you feel guilt, and that guilt calls you to confess to God that you're, that you've sinned against Him, that you're, you're still sinning, and, and you need His constant forgiveness. You confess, and He forgives. It's a sweet truth that we enjoy as believers as we, as we seek to live for Christ, we don't always succeed, do we? We sometimes fail and fall in sin, and, and we must confess and agree with God about our sin. It's a, it's a wretched thing, Lord, and I want to be done with this. You confess, and He forgives. If you're a follower of Christ, you know this. Along with that is a turning from sin 
and toward righteousness. That also ought to be present in your life if you're a follower of Christ, meaning if you truly are sorrowful for your sin, then not only do you admit to God that you've sinned, not only do you thank Him for His forgiveness, but you also turn away from that sin and seek to take steps of obedience and toward doing what is righteous. And I would suggest that one of the reasons the follower of Christ has turned toward righteousness and, and continually turns from sin and toward righteousness is because of this wonderful truth and because he is so grateful to God that the judgment for their sins was once and for all poured out on Jesus Christ, God's Son, and not on them. If you're a follower of Christ, you're grateful, and one of the things that compels your obedience is your gratitude to God that He does not punish you for your sins, but He punished His own Son instead. But here in verse 8, we learn that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will also, will also convict the world. Not only convicts believers when they sin and, and brings guilt into the life of a believer when they've separated themselves from fellowship with God by their sin, but also the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now this is a passage in John's Gospel in these verses in chapter 16 that, that many Bible scholars admit to being a very difficult nut to crack. Many Bible scholars say this is a tough one to understand. And so I don't want to claim that I'm any better than those guys who say they, they, they struggle to understand what this is. But in simple terms, I want to try to explain to you the way I understand this passage. And I think, I think this is helpful and encouraging. It's helped me, and I think it, it could help you too to see what is going on here, to understand it in these uh, try to use my simple terms to explain this. First of all, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction and will bring guilt on the world for their sin. Now, the sin for which Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty, in fact. Think of it. Jesus Christ gave of himself the, the one sacrifice, the complete sacrifice for four sinners. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction and guilt on the world for their sin. That's the sin for which Jesus gave himself to pay the penalty. But we need to understand this. Those who reject Christ will not receive forgiveness for their sins. Those who say no to Jesus also say no to forgiveness. So verse 9 says, look at verse 9, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. You don't believe in Christ? Then you don't believe in forgiveness. You don't accept the perfect righteousness of the Son of God sacrificed for your sins, then you cannot be forgiven. You remain in your sins. So verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Now the Holy Spirit will also confront the world with the righteousness of Christ. Listen, all are sinners. Would you agree with that? All are sinners. You need to agree with that because that's what God's Word says, right? We know, Romans 3.10, none is righteous. No, not one. That pretty, pretty much clears it up, doesn't it? Everyone is a sinner. Everyone is without righteousness outside of Christ. And Christ would be crucified and following his resurrection would ascend to the Father. And certainly Christ's resurrection and his ascension testifies 
to the righteousness of Christ and His oneness with the Father. Just think of it. I mean, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead and then later would ascend to heaven to reside and sit at the right hand of the Father. Obviously, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and one with the Father. So verse 10 says concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Jesus Christ is vindicated when He ascends to heaven and goes to, to sit at the right hand of the Father. So the Holy Spirit confronts the world with the righteousness of Christ. And then the Holy Spirit will also convict the world concerning judgment. Says verse 11, look at verse 11 again, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And you know we're talking about Satan here, right? So Satan is judged to be the deceiver that he is and is defeated by Christ and Jesus Christ is revealed to be the righteous one. But I want you to note what we're told here about how the Holy Spirit will do this convicting work in the world. There is this convicting world work that takes place by the Holy Spirit in the world in which we live. But how does the Holy Spirit do this? And this is just as important for believers today to understand as it was for Jesus' disciples and the early church. If we go back to verses 7 and 8, back up with me and look at verses 7 and 8 again for a moment, we hear to whom the Helper is sent. And we get a pointer to how God chose to have the Holy Spirit do this work of convicting. This is how God chooses to do His work in the world, this convicting work. Look at verses 7 and 8 again. Listen to those verses where Jesus says, not that He's sending the Helper to the world, but that He's sending the Helper to believers. Verse 7 says at the very end, I will send Him to you. He's talking about believers. And verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world. It doesn't say there that he sends the Holy Spirit to the world. He sends the Holy Spirit to indwell and, and impart wisdom to and encouragement and courage to believers. I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world. So the Holy Spirit is sent to believers by way of the work, and by way of the work of the Holy Spirit in and through believers, he will somehow, it might boggle our minds to even think about it, he will somehow bring conviction on the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So what we're learning here is that the Helper will come upon believers and will certainly comfort and equip them. I mean, the, the Helper is the Helper after all, right? But the Helper will also do something else. The, the Helper will also work in and through believers and by His working in and through believers will bring conviction on the world. But how does the Holy Spirit work through believers to convict the world? Very simply, God does it through believers who walk in obedience to His Word. That's a real simple way to sum up a large work that the Holy Spirit intends to do through His people. Very simply, God does it through believers who walk in obedience to God's Word. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin and of Christ's righteousness and of the judgment of those who reject Christ through the faithful living and faithful witnessing of followers of Christ. 
Do you see how important it is that followers of Christ truly follow Christ and follow His Word and take steps of daily obedience. It is critical for the work that God intends to do in this world that those who believe in Christ walk in obedience to His Word. You see, God doesn't just say, congratulations, you're forgiven. Go to work in the world and go do your thing and do whatever. I'll do my work, you do yours. That's not how God has chosen to do His work. God has chosen to indwell His children, to give them the helper. He doesn't just turn His children loose in the world. I'm not going to take my my young children and just say, hey, go find a job, all right? And as soon as you get one, find a place to live. Can you do that, Josiah? Josiah doesn't want to do that. Zachary? Zach and Christy wants to, but, but Zach and Josiah, they don't want to. Right? Sorry, guys, I had to pick on you this morning. I can't, I'm not going to just turn them loose in the world and say, go fend for yourselves. And by the way, you've got till Tuesday. That's foolishness. Right? God is gracious and loving and kind. To indwell His people with His very Spirit empowering them to live for Christ, to take daily steps of obedience, even if they are little ones, to go out and go to work this week and work in a, in a harsh environment where there are unbelievers and to do so for God's glory in obedience to His Word because by our obedience, God intends to reach the world for Jesus Christ. He intends to reach your coworkers through your witness. He intends to reach your neighbors and your family members for Christ through your faithfulness to Him. There's even something more here that the Spirit works in believers. And this is something we ought to be overwhelmed about and thankful for and grateful for. In verse 12, Jesus told the disciples there was much more He wanted them to know, but they weren't ready for it yet. How gracious God is in this also. Now, why did he not tell tell them these things? And why did he say they're not ready for these things yet? Because they, they didn't yet have the Spirit doing the revealing work of truth in them yet. You see, until until this point, Jesus had been with them. Every time they had a question, what did they do? Oh, Jesus, uh, we're stumped by this. What do we do? I'm, we're confused about this. What do we do? Yeah, help us with this. Explain. And, and certainly all along, you can see it all along in the Gospels, Jesus is teaching them as they go from place to place. He's talking with his disciples and informing them and telling them what he's constantly telling them and teaching them. But here he says, I've got far more to tell you, but you're not ready for it yet. Why weren't they ready? Because they didn't have the revealing work of the Holy Spirit in them, revealing the truth to him. Look at verses 12 through 15 again. They didn't have the Spirit revealing truth to them. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not ready. Why? Verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
I love repetition in the Bible. <laughs> when you hear this, and Jesus says it twice, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So followers of Christ are not only given the enabling of the helper, followers of Christ not turn loose without the help of the Holy Spirit in the world, but they are also given the guiding of the helper. A guiding into, it says here, all the truth. Now Jesus knew there was more, much more that they needed to know. But instead of telling it to the disciples then, he promised them this, another prophetic promise, that the helper, the spirit of truth, would guide them into the truth. And you today, believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you today, if you're his, you have great reason for joy today because you also have the helper to guide you into all the truth. You realize that? You see, we're all going to get up from here and leave at some point today. And you're probably hoping sooner rather than later. But the point is, as we leave this place, we don't go alone into this world. God has given us His Word. But we don't just take His Word into the world. He has also given us His Spirit and if you're a child of God, you have the Spirit indwelling you, enabling you to take the Word, to read the Word, to be convicted by the Word, to take steps of obedience to God's Word in this world, this week. And as you take the Word with you, the Holy Spirit takes the Word and uses it in you to conform you and shape you into the shape he desires you to be, and for his glory, in the shape of Christ-likeness. You see, having read the Word and having been guided by the Spirit to understand the truth, you move from your reading of the Word, and we move from our study of the Word today, and we do this, we do this for the purpose of the fact that we are not going to be here the rest of the week. We're going to go our separate ways. And as we get up, Daily, I, I trust that you read God's Word daily. I hope you, you realize how important it is that you read and, and apply the Word to your life daily. And as you come on Sundays and you hear the Word preached, and we get up each time from the reading of the Word, the point that God would have us learn from the Word is that we apply the Word to ourselves. And the Word changes us by the power of the work of the Spirit in you who are Christ's. And having read the Word and having been guided by the Spirit to understand the truth, you move from your reading of the Word of truth not to do your thing in this world, but to do God's thing in this world. You see, and as you do God's thing, and I mean the things that please God, the things that are God's will revealed to us in His Word, as we do His things, we bring great glory to God. You see, the world is not about doing the things of God. But this is to be the life of believers. And as believers leave this place and go out into this world each and every week, and as we read our Bibles each and every day and go out into the world to do our work and do our business, we, we are conformed and shaped by the Word, by the power of the Spirit in us to act as followers of Christ should act. And your life lived for Christ 
is how God has chosen most often to reveal his convicting truth in this world. It is through the personal relationships that you develop with unbelievers that God will use you to influence them for Christ as you are revealed the truth by the Spirit, as you take the truth in, and as you take steps of obedience. Your life lived for Christ is how God has chosen to reveal in this world the truth of the Word, the convicting truth of the Word to unbelievers. So as you submit yourself to the Word of God, and as the Spirit of truth does His, His enlightening and illuminating work with the Word in your heart, changing you. He uses you as a powerful witness to the watching world, and the world is watching. So the question I have for you, and the question I want to ring in your ears this morning is this. Will you allow yourself to be the channel by which God calls sinners to repentance? Will you allow yourself to be the channel by which God calls sinners to repentance? Will you allow your life to be conformed by God's Word, empowered by the Spirit, equipped by the Spirit, enlightened with the truth of God's Word, so that you change and become more like God's Son, Jesus Christ? Will you read and trust His Word? And will you take daily steps of obedience Will you allow yourself to be the channel by which God calls sinners in this world to repent and be saved?